welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Jillian Riley. After teaching a program on quitting smoking for 12 years, Jillian Riley ran her first course on how to take control of overeating in 1997. Since then, she's held weekend workshops, delivered the course through webinars, and is currently offering a six-week online course. Her work has the focus of the extraordinary and often ignored role of the mind in behavior change with regard to things like stopping smoking and eating less. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. Um, Welcome back, Jillian. Um, Jillian has a remarkable approach to first smoking and then overeating. She holds weekend workshops. She lives just north of London, what, about 100 miles, Jillian? Yes, in the countryside. And um, so she does online courses and she has an extraordinary approach where it really fits with the whole idea we deal with chronic pain, both mental and physical, about neuroplasticity and reprogramming your pain, reprogram, putting your brain where you want it to go as to punish, as opposed to punishing yourself where you're not going. So in other words, you're focused on the solution and not as much on the problem. So her approach is extraordinary. And so, um, Jillian, can you I know this is not easy, but can you try to summarize your work in a few sentences here, and then we'll jump into what you actually do with people? I think the the, the starting point is recognizing um, the, the Pavlovian conditioning, the, the, that there is going to be um, a, an association that's built into the brain so that people are going to think to themselves, oh, I want to eat something in a circumstance where they have eaten something in the past, especially if that is highly rewarding, which would be the hyperpalatable or things that are manufactured, processed. But any food can do that, uh, you know, create that um, sense of wanting excess. This, this is not, I actually need some nutrition. This is over and above. And I think mainly the reason put this as as simply as possible the reason that this goes on is because our brains developed at a time of extraordinary food scarcity and you know we were fasting just because we often ran out of food and even if there was food it wasn't all that interesting you know if I cross a cabbage it was like oh great I get to eat today yippee and that's about it so we've got way too much food there's no planning so far and there's very hyper palatable food even if we're not actually eating that now many of us have a history of you know things like sugar which has you know created that that memory in our brain so the 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 point first of all is that that memory that that learning is going to happen and the question is is what do you then do do to do with it because that's automatic. It just, it, it, you, you can't get away from that. Well, no, I should say you can get away from that, but that's another um, issue. I'll talk about that in a minute. But sooner or later, that um, desire or craving is going to occur. 
And the question is, what are you then going to do? Now, the point about this in terms of brain function is to recognize that that's actually coming from the midbrain, mammalian brain. I know it's called a hundred different things, right. but from the very, very center of, of the brain. That's that burst of dopamine that's getting our mind to, to focus food and find food and give us a real drive to, to, to get food. So the question then is, is how are you going to respond to that? What I teach people is how at that time is how to develop the neural pathways so that the prefrontal cortex can be activated, which an awful lot of people aren't actually doing. I mean, there's research that shows that the heavier a person is, the less they're using their prefrontal cortex. Many studies that um, what they call successful dieters have more activity in their prefrontal cortex at the end of a meal. And so, I mean, I could go on and on about the research, but in terms of people's experience, if they're just having that midbrain dopamine um, reaction, of I want to eat something and they just leave it and they're not actually intervening there, which most people don't know how to do. They're just trying to say, don't eat it, you know, don't you dare, as you say, the negativity, you know, you you'd be crazy to fall off this diet. You know, you can't have any of that until, you know, six o'clock or something, or you're not allowed this on the diet, like all of that stuff. What it produces, and what I've done is I've printed out from my last course, but it could be any course, is a response from my clients to the question, what does that feel like? What, what happens when you're wanting to eat something and you're trying not to? This is literally what's been ad, uh, included in, in the course, what they've posted in the course. I feel miserable, like I'm suffocating. I have intense, relentless thoughts. I feel frustrated because the thought of eating doesn't go away. This is not the same person, by the way. Right, right. All the people. Um, I feel I'm missing out. There's a sense of it being unfair that I can't eat it, and I feel deprived. It feels like I'm white-knuckling through it. I can't stop thinking about food. Um, I get grouchy because I can't have what I want. Intensely stressful. It's like a physical need that absolutely has to be satisfied. It's all consuming. I feel restless, angsty, deprived, especially if other people are eating that food. <laughs> That's a wow, you know, those are intense. Very, very interesting phenomena that you get with food with practically no other, you know, um, addictive behavior. I have an overwhelming, intense desire. Um, these days, I don't even try because I know it's a waste of time. It never goes away once it's there. So I just, you know, may as well give into it straight away. It's a right. very, very common response. No amount of food will ever be enough when I'm in the overeating mood. So that's the, the level of difficulty that people are having. And the problem is, is that all of that, that isn't actually the, um, the Pavlovian conditioning. That is the response to prohibition. Because what these people have been doing is they've been spending their lives prohibiting. Because that's what a diet does, is I'm going to tell you, you can't eat, you know, whatever it is. You can't eat any sugar or you can't eat between meals or 
you can't have any more than X number of calories or X number of carb grams or whatever it is, whether it's a traditional diet or the more um, recent kind of nutritional theories like, you know, I'm going to be low carb, so, or, I'm, or some form of fasting, you know, I, but it still fit into a prohibitory mindset, a, a mindset of, you know, I am prohibiting myself, I'm not allowed, um, like that. And that is what's creating that level of difficulty. So this is extremely interesting to me because here's what happens physiologically, which you already know, but I'll explain to the audience. Okay, so you prohibit yourself. You just mentioned the idea that you have these racing thoughts that don't stop when you deprive yourself from eating. And the problem is when you, um, you emphasize, which I thought was brilliant, that whatever you do with your diet, you emphasize that you always have a choice. You always have freedom of choice. You're always free. In other words, you're not trapped. Because when you lose that sense of control, it's actually inflammatory. And when your brain's inflamed, you start throwing off obsessive thought patterns. So we know anxiety is an inflammatory state. <clears throat> we know these crazy thoughts are an inflammatory state. So the, <clears throat> the negative thoughts create anxiety, which is a physiolo physiological state, but that inflamed brain, your brain actually becomes inflamed, actually throws off the crazy thoughts. People do anything not to have these thought patterns and so eating sort of a minor detail compared to these thoughts, right? So you're, you're starting to de-energize the whole reason why we overeat in the first place. Plus the Pavlovian part, I may have the same issue. I walk into the kitchen, I want to eat something. Yep. Right? So we associate that. So there's, but there's the inflammatory part that I think is brilliant that you really emphasize. And I'll say one more thing because I, I don't, <laughs> this is your show, not mine. But I'll never forget a book years ago called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Who was a, do you remember the part he says that the stress around diet is actually counter, the stress around a rigid diet counteracts the benefits of the diet. Do you remember that phrase by chance? It was in the book. And he didn't know the neuroscience behind it, but he's a brilliant psychologist. He won the Nobel Prize in economics, for goodness sakes. So he understands human behavior, how marketing works. But the whole idea of ongoing punitive behavior actually doesn't work. We know our prison system doesn't work. We know you raise kids with a negative tone of voice all the time. That doesn't, that, that doesn't work. You don't change behavior with ongoing negative reinforcement. It also goes for us as individuals. Negative voices to ourselves eventually just wear us down and it's inflammatory. So I'm, I'm walking in here. I think these are really interesting comments by your clients because I, see, I didn't realize quite the intensity some of the, of the expressions re related to but okay I walk in your office i want to lose 50 pounds i've tried for years to lose weight um can you take me a little bit through the process that you put people through how you get how you get me started obviously changing behaviors takes repetition and a lot of time and maybe not so much time but definitely repetition how do you get me started and how do you get me moving forward i think part of it as I was saying before, is looking at immediate benefits is um, I suggest that people ask themselves, how, how will I feel after I've eaten this? So it's, it's to do with self-agency, self-determination. And one of the images that I often use, it, it's like putting yourself in the, in the driver's seat rather than being a passenger in the back. See, I don't, I don't give any nutritional advice or any 
that that's what's really different about what I'm doing. I don't say anything like that. I don't say don't eat between meals or don't eat after 8 p.m. or don't eat sugar or don't snack. I, I don't say any of that stuff. It's all for them to sort out. And that is remarkably people often comment on. In fact, people are often go through the course and they're like waiting for that. Like, aren't you going to tell me what to eat? I go, no, actually, I'm not. <laughs> right. So that that in and of itself is when people kind of come to terms with that. It is hugely liberating because right. see, the basic problem is people start off with, I can't trust myself around food. Obviously. You know, if if I'm around food and it's just up to me, I'm gonna eat it, I'm gonna eat way too much of it, I'm gonna regret that. That's what I do. So but you, but you just pointed out that that's a survival reaction that's normal. We if you're around food, we're programmed. It's absolutely to eat, right? based on a completely normal and natural mechanism, survival right. mechanism. Yes. But but with that problem, you see, what I need to do, what then people do is they say, I need to have somebody else tell me what to eat, how much to eat, when to eat. I need to have somebody tell me that. That's what a diet is. You know, is I need somebody to explain that to me because I can't do it myself. And so what I'm what I'm doing is showing people how to answer that question themselves. And as I say, the image is you get in the driver's seat. You might end up in the same place with the in terms of the car as if right. you were a passenger, but you're the one driving, you're the one saying how fast and how slow you're going to go, whether you're going to stop at a red light or not, or turn left, turn right, you're in charge. And the other thing about it is what um, long-term yo-yo diets are used to doing is having a relationship with food where it's all or none. So they go on the diet, like people who do you know, a liquid diet thing, or right. whatever diet is, it's all or none. There's you've got the rigidity in there that you were talking right. about before. But the other problem is that as soon as it's broken, as soon as you've made a mistake, you know, you haven't stuck to the rigid rule, whatever it is, then you flip over into none. And it's known in research as the what the hell effect. It's well, right. well researched. It's like, oh, well, that didn't work. And so now I'm going to return to eating everything I can get my hands on. But but the basic problem of I cannot control my eating, I need somebody else to tell me what to do. That was never addressed. So I'm only able to do it if I follow it completely and utterly 100%. And any time I don't follow it completely and utterly 100%, then I'm lost. And so that belief system gets reinforced. Right. By... by going sitting in the driver's seat and learning how to drive um people are then able to go at a slower pace and i strongly encourage people not to do all or none i mean some people do it anyway because you know people do but right. what i'm actually what i tell people a lot is baby steps just try this technique out with one thing just one thing one like I talk about a, a, a Goldilocks challenge, one that isn't too overwhelming, but one that's just significant enough. Like, I don't know, maybe every time you're at the mall, you have a milkshake or a donut or something. Is It, it would be different for different people, I mean, obviously. 
very easy. But just one thing that you're going to work through and say, oh, right, that's a conditioned response just because I'm at the mall. If I hadn't been at the mall, I wouldn't have had this desire for the donut or whatever it is. I only ever do that when I'm here because they have the best donuts. Yes. That brings up several really interesting points. One of them is, okay, so you're on a good diet. You've held on to it for two weeks. All of a sudden you have a big pastry or a donut. And then what happens, you flagellate yourself, you beat yourself up. So instead of re, instead of looking at the donut as a reward for eating well, the re, donut represents punishment. I mean, the donut represents failure and you punish yourself. So again, going the wrong direction. Um, and so you look at this, well, I'm a bad person because I failed my diet. And that really is inflammatory to your brain and just fires everything up. And that's, you're right, that's very counterproductive. So um, interesting. So I, a couple of things come to mind. One of them is a friend of mine at the gym, very healthy guy, and he does a pretty good diet during the week, you know, eats quite well, sometimes some intermittent fasting. Then, then every weekend he just eats whatever he wants. That's his reward. Now he's not horrible at, on the weekends, but he just eats what he wants. And for him, that's his reward for being good during the week. That's one way I, that strikes me. I never thought about it in, in this terms till today. The other thing that I've done, and I'm not great at this, but I'm better. Surgeons, again, like I said, a legendary for eating really badly. But I have eaten a lot better. I eat much less sugar. I eat less. I'm just generally doing better. And, of course, I do now let myself, uh, you know, just eat what I want at times and not feel bad about it. So it's been very helpful. But I did do a couple things the last month or so, which was interesting. Is I really just ate really badly. I just said, screw it, I'm going to eat badly. And I actually just watched how badly I physically felt. It was unbelievable how groggy I felt. My energy was down. My stomach wasn't good. I felt full. I didn't feel good eating all this junk. And I ate a lot of junk. So for me, it was a pretty, it wasn't a punishment reinforcement, but I'm just going, you know something? I don't like feeling like this. So instead of punishing myself, I just go, hmm, not that I'll never do it again, but I'm certainly less inclined to do it than if I hadn't actually noticed that really, really, for the first time, really sharp contrast about how I felt under eating versus grossly overeating. Yeah, yeah. That's what you're talking about there is what I call non-weight benefits. But what you want to imagine now is if you were really huge and probably female as well, because it is a bit of an edge for us ladies. Um, which isn't to say it doesn't apply at all to men, but it is a bit of an issue for, for us. But if you are really huge, then what could happen is your um, upset about wanting to lose weight could be so much to the fore that it kind of blots everything out, everything right. else. Like what you're talking about there, how lousy you felt, um, becomes, um, it, it's like, it, it's just dismissed disregarded it doesn't matter what really matters is that you know i can't get into my clothes i feel i i feel terrible about myself not because of what i'm eating but because of how large i am and and that's a a big thing to shift around which which isn't to say it's not a good idea to lose weight right just that it's given such prominence that it's such um such a big deal, a huge deal. You're also so, making a choice. I, a different perspective. 
If I hear you correctly, you also make a, make a choice say, I choose to enjoy eating. I mean, oh. no, matter what, what, no matter what I do, whether whether quotes fit a diet or not, I'm going to choose to enjoy my food. Because I'm thinking about this out loud here is that if you're always punishing yourself for not eating well enough, because there's no end point, really, you get to do it two, three, four times a day. It's an endless negative voice in your head that just drives you crazy after a while. <laughs> and so by saying, I'm, I'm, I think, again, your freedom of choice thing to me is extremely important and fascinating is that we have freedom to eat what I want to do. And I'm going to choose to eat really this food, which may not be the best for me, but it's not going to kill me tomorrow, but I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to enjoy eating well. And so I think making the choice to enjoy eating is a, is a huge choice. Yeah, I think that many of my clients would say, I enjoy eating too much. <laughs> yeah, but, but, yeah, but they That's go so negative. So, yeah, no, I, true. <laughs> Okay, so how do you, okay, that's an interesting point. So how do you deal with that? Well, I think it's to do with weighing up, being able to weigh up, and particularly in light of answering the question, how will I feel after I've eaten this? So yes, I'm gonna thoroughly enjoy this huge pizza, say. I'm really gonna enjoy that. And apparently right. that's one of the top favorite foods. Right. That I'm gonna thoroughly enjoy this pizza. and how will I feel after I've eaten it? Will there be any sense of regret? Because I think that's the determining, or it's a determining factor. I mean, that and free choice. First of all, if you don't feel free to do that, then you're just going to go into rebellion and right. eat pizzas like every day. Right. Just because if you don't, you don't feel free to do that. And the freedom is the most important thing. Right. Freedom. So, you need to do it to prove it. You, you need to eat the pizza to prove that you're free to eat the pizza. But taking that out of the equation, it say, I'm gonna thoroughly enjoy this pizza and will I have any regret afterwards? Because that gives you, if there is any, if there isn't, then don't change, don't make any changes, it's what I say. But the point is, is to check that out before or preferably before you order the pizza or even before you go to the pizza place right right well Julie, we could talk for a long time and i think probably probably we'll do a few more podcasts together i mean we're just barely touching the surface here and, and just really and really i must say other people don't do this but it's a pretty unusual approach to it about maintaining your freedom of choice no matter what the situation um regarding food so um, can, I know you wrote a book. Could you let the audience know how to access your services, also the book that you wrote? Well, eatinglessonline.com. Eatingless.com. Eatingglessonline.com. Okay, eatlessonline.com. Eating. eating. Oh, less on. Okay, got it. Eatinglessonline.com. Got it is probably the best site to go to. And then okay. there's links to all the other sites, information about the online course. There's a free trial first, so people can check it out and see if, you know, they love me or hate me kind of, you know, feeling about it. Uh, there's the short version, which is ditching diets, which um, is good if for people who don't like reading very much, or if they just want to skim through some of these ideas and then maybe do the course that's going to be starting at the end of the month. 
And then you wrote a book called Eating Less. Did I get that right also? That's the main book. If somebody just wanted to work with a book on their own and not do anything else with them, but they can also do like a one-off, one-to-one with me if they want and work with the book. So the larger book is called Eating Less. And by the way, I'm assuming the link to your TED, the link to your TED Talk is also on the website. So she yeah. gives a wonderful TED Talk. I'm always impressed now. I'm not the best public speaker, so I'm always impressed with people's public speaking abilities. And she does a great job in this TED Talk. So anyway, Jillian, thank you very much for being on the program. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. I'd like to thank our guest, Jillian Riley, for being on the show today and for sharing the approach she uses with her clients to help them control overeating. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today, and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.